0: Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy.
1: Me oh my, I have
0: enjoyed that, I'm yes here, boy. Aniragate and thank you very much for listening to another episode of Code With Kingy where for this show we are previewing the third round of Super Rugby Aotearoa And accompanying me to do it is my good friend Casey Joe McIndoe. Now, just like the previous two previews that I've done, I get Casey to share his thoughts on the latest two games that have been played, before then casting our eyes to the upcoming fixtures, which this week are the Blues taking on the Highlanders at Eden Park on Saturday night, before the Crusaders go to battle with the Chiefs at Orange Series Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And... Casey came in, he delivered his fresh perspectives, and I hope that you guys are enjoying having someone new on the show each week, it's pretty much only to help drown out my voice, because I know that it can become quite stale at times, and I don't want that to happen, because I want you guys tuning in every week, and yeah, it also gives me the opportunity to bounce my takes, and get some insights of different people, because we all look at the game in different ways, so, yep, no more mumbling, I'll let you guys enjoy my conversation with the big man, Beef Case. Sweet, brother. Well, um, as always, with anyone that I have on, I'd just like to thank you first up for taking the time out to have the quarter with me. Um, obviously, we're going into week three of Super Rugby Aotearoa, and this is my third preview. I feel like I'm getting the knack of getting this stuff done, and uh, yeah. Good
1: Appreciate to be on here, and um, also, yeah, got a follow-up with uh, Matt Tward and, and your father as well, so... Good to be in the uh, the trio, the third. Yeah man,
0: I was actually looking to get you in the mixer, um, I, mean, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, or during lockdown really, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, during lockdown.
0: Yeah, good to finally get you on man, um, but I talked about the, the breakdown, well it's been the talk of Super Rugby so far, and I talked, to, I talked about it with my old man and with Matt, so why don't I just get your first impressions on it bro, because you've watched the first two rounds and. We've all seen what's happened, but what have you taken away from the first two weeks in the refereeing?
1: Oh, penalties galore, and it just just hits hard the players that are wanting to challenge those rucks and are wanting to try and dominate it because you can dominate a ruck very carelessly, very easily. Players can fly in um, from both sides, and players can just want to get their hands on the ball as well, and you've seen... um, Players just get penalised non-stop for it. And, I mean, it goes... You know, you have your Richie McCaw in the past. He would get in there in every ruck, and, you know, is, is that going to be a thing of the past? The pilfer's got to be very, very clean. And, you know, throughout Richie McCaw's career, there were lots of people saying he was always cheating at the breakdown. Well, I don't think you can do any cheating now at the breakdown. No, well, it's a funny one, right? So we've
0: had 107 penalties from four games, and... I wish I had a kept recording, although my dad did say that um, he did mention it or he mentioned some other stuff sort of off the record without sort of putting his name to it. But we talk about the whole Richie McCaw thing and um, I think the thing that a lot of people have to realise is that these rules are only being enforced at the super rugby level. So these, I don't think that the All Blacks are going to be playing with these rules should we see any test rugby this year. Um, now, that might change. You know, the, um, the International Rugby Union might come out and say that we're going to, you know, throw these laws in considering I don't know how much they like them during the course mm-hmm. of Super Rugby but I think on a follow-up point from that I think what is quite interesting is that because over the next eight weeks our players off the back of the last two weeks as well are going to get so used to playing to these new laws I wonder how much of an impact it's going to have on the international game should the test level only be played at or as part of those previous sets of rules or with less sort of strictness or you know a different sort of policing at the breakdown Cause, I mean, eight weeks is a lot of time, and because these guys they're almost having to take that pilfering out of their game, or you know, maybe even I guess refine it, or you know, be better at sort of picking their moments. And so, you're going to nail that into those guys for about two months, and then you know, should we get test rugby, it's almost like they have to go back to their old habits. It's, it's going to be quite a weird change, or I, I'm going to be interested to see how the players will deal with that sort of stuff. Hey, eh? what do you reckon?
1: For sure. And I think the main one that is getting lots of players is the not rolling away or putting themselves in a position where they're sort of slowing down the breakdown, interfering with the breakdown. Mm -hmm. If players can get up and out of that breakdown quickly, they become a defensive player in the line. And to be honest, you want to have another defensive player up because if they're on the ground, they're completely useless. Um, So potentially there could be benefits there for players in there. Their mindset for getting up off the ground, getting out of the ruck, and getting into the defensive line. There could be benefits there.
0: Yeah, I, I think the it's, it's a funny one. So they're going to keep the ball in play, and I think they're wanting to have less guys in the rucks, which means more guys on their feet, which is going to be, or going to mean, stronger defensive lines. So, yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for me. But um, in all honesty, like, I probably like the rule, because... Instead of sort of having this gray area at the breakdown where referees are having to interpret, you know, sort of side entries or guys not rolling away, they're pretty much riffing to the letter of the law now where if you are going to go in, have a go at the ball and you know you're going to possibly put yourself in a compromised position where, you know, you might be cleaned out and then you're almost falling over the rack or, you know, you're putting yourself in a position where you can't roll away effectively. Mm-hmm. That, as much as that might suck for guys maybe like a Lachlan-Boshear or a Duplessis-Karifi whose game sort of revolves around their work at the breakdown, it's it's almost like now guys are going to have to be really, really careful with where they pick their moments. And again, like it might suck in that regard, but at least that way there is no more grey area for the referees. It's not like, oh, ref, you know, he came in the side, oh, ref, he's not rolling away. It's like, well, everything's going to get blown up. And it's like, yes, we might have more penalties, but at least that way we can't actually actually take the complain well you, you take the onus out of the ref's hands like everything yeah. is sort of all the impetus is on all the players to stay disciplined so yeah. and
1: people love to complain as well so <laughs> it's a big part of the game and I mean you've you, seen it from TJ on the weekend as well yeah.
0: I think if you do, like for me like if you can take as much of the referee's influence out of the game and put it solely on the players mm-hmm. I think it's just more beneficial well, I, just, I just think Agreed. it makes for a better product so, agreed. Yeah. And, and
1: uh, yeah. you go. It'll still it'll still probably take a, a wee while for players to adjust to that, um, and so hopefully I would like to see the penalty count come down, but you know it's up to the players to to bring that down themselves, uh, not necessarily the referees. They're just doing their job there, but just in these first couple of weeks, uh, more penalties, more penalty advantage potentially more high-risk, entertaining play coming from those penalty advantages. People are doing things that they might not normally have the chance to do. Could get some interesting stuff coming from that as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And another interesting take that I read on Club Rugby yesterday was that uh, what teams are obviously sort of game-planning for now is that because they know that they are more likely to win a penalty for committing the opposition to the ruck. Well, the writer on this Club Rugby article made the point that instead of teams actually keeping the ball in play, what they're doing now is that they're actually almost trapping tacklers or defenders into the ruck to win themselves penalties. And that the only occasions where the attacking team doesn't do that is when they've actually got an overlap or, you know, um, mm-hmm. I guess a mismatch out wide. So the attacking teams it's all, its not like this, or his take was not so much that by having these new rules in, you know, it's going to free the game up more and keep all, the ball more in play. Is that, well what teams might do now if they're actually playing a lot smarter is that, well, if you're going to get a tackler in there, you might as well almost like flop on him and keep him in that ruck area. Even though that guy's making all the attempt in the world to roll away because of the new laws, he's going to get penalized because there's no more gray area around that. So yeah, it's another interesting take that I've read. so
1: that I is, Yeah, that is really interesting. And it's just sort of probably, probably an unintended consequence of the new enforcement of it. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've played rugby games where, you know, you definitely try and get the player in there and try and get him in the way and make, make him look like he's he's not rolling away or whatever, and it and it works a treat. But um, even now, with these new rule changes, it's going to be even more of a, a little bit of a a risk for those players and yeah. an opportunity for the attacking team.
0: Yeah, it was a funny one. Like, he compared it to lazy running. So if mm-hmm. you think about... If a guy makes a break and the defending or whoever's missed a tackle is running back to get on side, and you'll see a halfback sort of fire a pass into this lazy runner and the referee yeah. has to give away the penalty, right? Because he's gotten in the way of the play. When yeah. It's more so that the halfbacks made the intentional decision to pass it into that defender. It's not like the defenders... I mean, there are some cases where the defenders walked in the way and made himself a nuisance. But most of the time, it's the halfback milking it. And so that's how he compared it to these new breakdown rules. It's like, well, if a tackler makes a tackle and the guy flops on top of him and he's making all the effort in the world to roll away, but, you know, the next cleaner comes in and almost traps him in there, as earnest as the tackler is is in trying to get away, you know, this is like a game plan that teams can, I don't know, I guess, adapt to now or sort of use, so
1: yeah. And and will it influence selection decisions? Yeah. Uh, Like you say, people like who, you know, a lot of his game does revolve around the pilfer and, you know, he had many shots at the pill on um, the weekend and, you know, does this make someone like him more of a risk than, than an asset in this part of the game, you know, when they're defending uh, within kicking range, three points. A lot of three points. Yeah, you're
0: not on there, man. Uh, and another point that I wanted to bring up is the the physicality that we're seeing um, from these New Zealand derbies, I mean, they're always physical, but in the, back, the, the fact that you've got to back it up week to week, we're already seeing sort of the toll it's taking on some bodies. You've got Luke Jacobson, who unfortunately, even after coming back from all of his head knocks, he's out with a hand fracture. Tom Robinson underwent knee surgery. Uh, Scott Barrett, even though he didn't play in the game, I think he picked up the injury in the in house scrimmage at the Crusaders. He's got some sort of foot problem. Josh Iwani pulled his groin during the captain's run, and we even had Brad Weber go off with concussion late against the Blues on Saturday night. So already we're already seeing the, the physical toll that these hefty clashes are taking on their players. And I'm just hoping that by you know the time we come at the other end of it, that we know we still have at least half our first choice All Blacks in play. I know we've got a lot of great depth here in New Zealand, but I guess that's sort of the, the trade-off for having these great games of rugby because of how skilled and how physical our players are. Ultimately, you know, if they're going to be running into All Blacks week in week out, they're putting themselves in compromised positions up against some of the best athletes in the world. So some yeah. of
1: those collisions are yeah are huge, and the, the New Zealand derbies just never fail to bring the, the physicality. You know, you got big athletes, uh, you got less breakdowns, you got more carries, you got more energy, and more contact, and yeah, consequently more injuries. I guess are, are one of the things. A uh, little, you know, something that we want to see in the game is entertaining physical rugby and, yeah, injuries are just one of those things that are going to pop up and this is going to provide opportunities for players to step up as well, players who haven't taken the full step to the super rugby level, we might see some new faces and testing the depth of, of teams.
0: Yeah, we yet to see any real rotation, we're only two weeks in and it is a condensed season but... Yeah, I think coaches are already seeing maybe the the need to rotate some of their players so that way, you know, if a guy's got a niggly injury, maybe it's not the case that you force it going into the next week and that you get sort of give them that rest and like you said, bleed in some of the younger talent. And yeah, you look
1: at you look you look at Sam Kane as well, who's you got have that lower back injury and whether he'll be in the mixer this this weekend is another big question. Yeah.
0: It's a tough one though, right? Because the the other thing that comes with these Kiwi derbies is that guys are playing their competition week in week out as well, so they're wanting to play and stick their hand up to get that, I guess, sort of shoulder tap for the All Black level. So you know, if you look at some of the competition that we have going going around at the moment, so you mentioned someone like Sam Kane, you've got when you just think of the plethora of Luth forwards who are playing pretty well across all of the teams, and you know there are only a handful of All Black spots, and you know if Liam McDonald goes to Hoskins to Tutu and he's like mate I want you to take the next week off and he's like well if I take the next week off you know that's giving somebody else the opportunity you know to to make a claim at the juicy that I want so yeah it's a it's a big sort of trade-off for a whole lot of different things and yeah like I said I just don't want you know some of our best players being I guess unavailable for selection because you know they've played one too many games and they they chose not to rest um when they had a niggly injury Fingers crossed yeah. we don't have any more, man. But we'll, uh, we'll kick on to the first game, which is the Blues-Highlanders on Saturday. And there are 180 kicks all up so far throughout Super Rugby. And 58 of those have come from the Blues. So they are the most kick-heavy-orientated team in the competition. And I guess despite all of their kicking, though, they're actually scoring the most points. And I guess that also comes off playing down the right end of the field. So do you think that the Blues will stick to this kick-heavy game plan going up against maybe a weaker side like the Highlanders?
1: I think they will, and it worked against the Chiefs. I mean, conditions were, you know, it was relatively wet for that game, and the Chiefs did make lots of mistakes. It works. They've got different options, different kicking options, and they, they followed up the chase quite well. So I think they will continue with it.
0: It's a weird one, right, because I
1: was mentioning to my old
0: man that you're not so much used to watching the Blues playing smarter rugby. And I know that Bowdoin Barrett's had a huge influence, but that team was building going, I guess, into this new season off the back of COVID. I think they they, they won their sixth game in a row, um, or fifth game in a row going into this week. Again, I'm pretty poor with numbers, so don't chase me up about that. But (laughs) yeah, it's just like the Blues box kick a lot. And one of the other points with obviously with having these new interpretations at the breakdown is that even when you've got the ball in hand, teams are getting penalised for guys sealing off the ball or cleaning yep. and you know falling off their feet. And I guess the thing that you're seeing from the Blues, although they've had their fair share of penalties, all of their penalties are being given away maybe in the opposition half. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the time the teams that they're playing against, because they're kicking so well or playing you know, the game in the opposition's half, is that whenever they do win a penalty, it's within range to kick three. And Otiri Black you know, kicked superbly against the Hurricanes and that was ultimately the difference in the end because they both only scored three tries. And then last week, in miserable conditions, the the Chiefs were pretty much the dominant side for most of that fixture, but their scoring opportunities went to waste because of poor handling and maybe just trying to force the issue, and the Blues just kept the points ticking over.
1: Yeah, they just kept the momentum, and, you know, their defence was strong. You know It felt like sometimes the Chiefs didn't know where to go, what to do. Kick it back to the Blues. Blues will use it. Blues will kick it back. Yeah.
0: Now, the Highlanders obviously go into this week off the back of their bye, and they scored three first-half tries in their opening clash, or their upset against the Chiefs. But they're going into a game, or going into this game, against a pretty flash Blues outfit. Like I said, they're on a winning streak at the moment. Their confidence is high. They've got all of their strike players beaming with the likes of Barrett, Talia, Clark, Iwani. the Black's running the shit really well. Their are packs on a roll. So if you were the Highlanders, what sort of areas would you be targeting to again, get another upset win, and this time away from home?
1: Potentially just trying to go around the outsides. I I, I was struggled to see them fronting up in the forwards. Uh, the forwards and the blues are just too strong, and I just can't see them cutting, cutting them through the middle. Yeah, I think they're just going to have to try and pray for some magic on the outsides, and potentially play again to the to the penalty count and try and t- keep the points ticking over when they do come up yeah, and maybe moment, try and right? hold the men- momentum in that way Yeah, mm-hmm,
0: because that first round probably what I didn't take into consideration because again I did pick the Highlanders not to win a game but the crowd was up for it at Forsyth, you know the Zoo was behind them, they got on a roll early, they scored those quick three tries like I mentioned but in that second half they sort of wavered towards the end and they sort of let the Chiefs in with a sniff and It was almost like when the Chiefs had that drop goal. I thought the Chiefs had the game won. They probably left a little bit too much time on the clock. And, of course, we all know what happened when Bryn Gatling kicked his drop goal and they get the one-point win. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess this will be a test or a real sort of indication of where the Highlanders are at. I mean, their their four-pack did front up. I'll give them credit. And they did play uh, with 14 men twice during that game and still managed to hold on. I mean, I've mentioned my own sort of thoughts on the Chiefs and the struggles that they've had attack i mean of course last week the conditions didn't help but even the week beforehand you know i expect uh, a pretty classy chiefs team who are who are riding high i guess in the international super rugby competition to i guess make the most of having the extra man and sort of mounting the pressure on and striking when the iron is hot but yeah i think similar to you i don't see their forwards out muscling this blues four pack that blues four pack is big and they just all seem to know their roles at the moment, right? My dad mentioned on our recap podcast that this Auckland team has almost gone back to, I guess, old school Auckland ways, you know, maybe sort mm-hmm. of that, maybe not so much the same game plan as they had in the late 80s, but there's just some sort of sense that they know what they're doing and I guess... Real that, that confidence culture, and yeah.
1: and swagger, yeah. I, th- I feel like they're really they're really where they want to be right now and... All the players are sort of showing that in the way that they're playing rugby. They want to be there. They want to step up. And, yeah, they're just putting on a show.
0: Yeah, well, you just look at someone like Patrick Tuipalutu, right? Like, he's really sort of come into his own, And then they're writing off, um, I guess, the the unknownness of someone like a Hoskins tutu who is playing out of his skin. And then they've even got the game drivers in now. Uh, like, an area that the Blues have always struggled in is sort of that 9-10 combination and Sam Knox taking a little bit of time to sort of find his feet after coming out of school as sort of a star but now he's pretty much cemented himself as the blue starting halfback and then Otiri Black with all the pressure that he had going into Super Rugby all with sort of Bowdoin Barrett coming in and then the whole sort of Dan Carter hype he's been able to hold his own as well and then you know when you have arguably the best player in the world at the back who can come into first receiver and just relieve some of the pressure like he did against the Chiefs last week I mean that drop goal and that penalty goal and just even just the guidance of Barrett was really what got them home in the end
1: yeah, yeah and Oteli and, and, and Bowden have had some time together at um, at the Hurricanes as well um, so you know they are probably learning within each other and building up that chemistry within the team yeah who knows what DC's saying in the background but whatever's been whatever's happening it's working yeah
0: exactly so I think I'm probably of a similar mindset to you that maybe they do need to chance their arm out wide. They do like to play at width. And so I guess maybe if it's weather persistent, you know, if, if we get a nice dry track and there's not a lot of dew on the ball, maybe the Highlands might be in with a chance if they can maybe catch their outsides napping on defence. But yeah, sort of rolling into this this next point though, um, off the back of talking about outsides, the, the Blues, as much as the 4 packs got a lot of praise and even though they've sort of been front of mind for me because of... I guess, just how much they've flipped the switch over the past 12 months, it's not that their backs have been any slouches. I mean, you look at the likes of someone like Caleb Clark, who's come back from the sevens, he's pretty much started with a hiss and a roar. Mark Talia picked up right where he left off. Um, He's putting his hand up for an all-black spot. And then you've got Rico Iwani, who just looks like a different player than what he was at last year's Rugby World Cup. Even, um, I guess, to a point at the start of this Super Rugby season, he wasn't quite himself or what we'd sort of been used to I guess in the previous years in an all-blacks jersey but they're all they've just got strike power across the park and like I mentioned they've got Barrett and you know to no discredit to TJ Fiani, I mean he's a great player but he's probably not as potent as the guys that I've mentioned so I guess for the Highlanders you know even though they're going to chance their arm on attack how are they going to cope with sort of covering all these different x-factor players in
1: defense for you? There's lots of lots of X Factor, Talia, Clark have been playing really well. Uh, you've got Bowden who can just fire at the back at any moment. Like I just I honestly just can't see the Highlanders keeping up with their backs and I think they will really struggle. You know, everyone knows that as soon as Bowden gets the ball in hand he can create anything and with those sort of other outside backs around him and Ioane as well, I think his the options are endless. And I think they'll continue to be endless on the game on Saturday. They'll just have so many different opportunities.
0: Yeah, man, they do look good. I mean, for me, like it, it, the Blues do look like front runners at the moment. But I guess the real tester for them will be the Crusaders. But yeah, similar to you, I don't see the Blues having too much of a headache with the Highlanders, man. But what about your verdict, bro? What sort of scoreline are you predicting? I, what way are you going?
1: I've got I've got Blues uh, thirteen is thirteen plus. Mm-hmm. Still very curious to see what the team will be, whether the Blues try and mix it up a little bit and um, maybe rotate a couple of players in. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but, um, yeah, I've got Blues 13+. plus. Yeah, I can't
0: disagree with you there, bro. Yeah, and, and um, I total your sentiments about maybe getting a bit of rotation into the squad. I guess, like we've both said before, I just don't think that the, the Highlanders, man for man, have the goods to, to topple this pretty classy blues outfit or this you know this blues outfit that's had a bit of a purple patch so yeah man i guess and you're... will we
1: see and will we see dc or will they save them for the crusaders
0: <laughs> i don't know bro like it's as much as um boden barrett and or black have been the mention around this whole sort of dc phenomena what do you or like you know does anyone sort of spare a thought for someone like harry plummer so he's sort of been lost in the mix of all of that. I know he's sort of been, um, I guess, bled early into this sort of super rugby thing off the back of a, a pretty strong might 10 cup season with Auckland in 2018. And, you know, even though, you know, you got Bowdoin coming in and, like, I'm, I'm under no disillusion that Bowdoin's probably going to work his way into 10 at some stage unless Otiti can keep up his form. Um, but, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Do they get... Carter and I mean it'll probably sell tickets like don't get me wrong but like I, I do spare a thought for the young fella right eh?
1: yeah it is a, a real catch I mean you got Harry Plummer the young the young bloke in the team and you got Chris you got Carter who's the, the oldest um you know do you do you give Carter some minutes just just to get some fans in or do you give Plummer some some time as well and you know I probably do hope that Plummer gets uh Gets a bit, few more minutes this week and potentially could even get a start. Who knows? Not sure what's happening inside the Blues camp, but Highlanders uh, will probably be hoping for something like that yeah.
0: for a chance. Again, it's a trade off, fate. Hey? Like, I've mentioned trade offs about a million times now, and you mentioned giving Plummer a go to give him some more experience at the super level, but then also if you're going to have someone like Dan Carter in your camp and you know, like, knock on wood that there are no injuries for the Blues, but you don't really want to be throwing DC out there with no sort of indication of where he's at. Whereas, like a game like this against the Highlanders, you know, you're sort of riding on a high, you're going to be playing at home, you're going up against arguably the weakest team. Although the Hurricanes are giving the Highlanders a bit of a run for their money at the moment with some of their gameplay. You know, this is again almost like the optimal chance to give Carter a go and, you know, just get him sort of in there with the Blues Boys. So. Great point to bring up, man. But I don't know which way they're going to go. I think Palmer probably gets the nod, but again, yep. you know, stranger things I'd like,
1: happen. I would just, yeah, I'd like to see it for the for the game. Yep. Sorry, man. Uh, and then we got Sunday's game.
0: So the Crusaders will have their second bout, and they go off against the Chiefs. They're back at home now. in the nice, and the nice, and the last nineteen games between these two, the Crusaders have actually won seventeen out of the nineteen. But the previous two clashes, so the most recent two, have actually been won by the Chiefs. So I don't know what we sort of make of that, whether you take the, the big figure in the 17 or you take um, recent memory in the last two games. But yeah, it'll, this, is gonna, this is shaped to be a big game. And the Crusaders obviously beat the Hurricanes 39-25 last week and away from home. And although they did score five tries and you know score close to 40 points, I didn't really think it was a, a fair reflection of the Crusaders' performance. I think they should have scored more points. I think that they kept the Hurricanes in the game uh, with a lot of the penalties that they were given away. I think at one stage during the first half, the penalty count was 8-1. So do you think that going up against a better team, quote-unquote, in the Chiefs, that the Crusaders can afford to give away as, as many penalties as they did last week or close to it?
1: To be honest, I, don't, I think they probably will and they probably can get away with it again. I thought the Crusaders were very poor, uh, Set Peace was poor, the only probably top mention to come out of the game was probably Will Jordan, I just didn't think the Crusaders brought too much to the game, They uh, they yeah they kept, like you say they kept the Hurricanes in the game, and to be honest there were, chan- there were chances in that Hurricanes game where I thought that the Hurricanes if they pull off some of their magic they could have crossed the line very easily. There were a few little flick passes, if they had gone to hand that would have been tries, and the, the Hurricanes have beaten the Crusaders in the past with magic. And it was just that the magic didn't, didn't happen. The Crusaders are just such a strong team. Um, but I don't think the, yeah, the Chiefs will be up as much as, as the Hurricanes game. Interesting. It's a funny one that um,
0: you mentioned that. Eh? And it's almost annoying to watch the Crusaders play so badly, but almost win so convincingly. It was almost like at times, like my dad mentioned that when the Crusaders needed to score a try, you know, when the game got close, although in fairness that it was really Cobus van Veek's mistake uh, when he threw the ball in mm-hmm. the field and Wanga scored the try, that really sort of flipped the game back in the Crusaders' favour. But at the same time, at no stage during the game did I think that the Hurricanes were going to win. I just felt like the Crusaders yeah. were always in the yeah. driving seat and it was almost like, they just kept them in the game with all those penalties and you know fair mm-hmm. play to Jackson Garden Bashup he did well and he kicked all his goals and the Hurricanes played to the way that the game was going but yeah in reality I think that if the Crusaders you know I guess at their, their review on Monday even they would say that they played poorly despite mm-hmm. scoring those five tries and you, you make a mention to someone like Will Jordan like I mentioned right at the start of the year just the, the amount of depth that the Crusaders have across not only their back line but also in their forward pack but if you look at someone like Will Jordan, who got his first start of the season, I believe, and he played really, really well. He was arguably, well, I think he actually was the man of the match for that fixture. But before David Harvilli underwent his surgery, he was arguably the best player in Super Rugby. You know, both him, Satutu, and Lachlan Boucher mm-hmm. were sort of fighting for that, I guess, that honour. And now, if you sort of look across that back line, I know that uh, David Harvilli worked his way to the midfield when Braden uh, know and sort of Jackson Goodhue, Jackson, Jack Goodhue, I don't know why I called him Jackson, probably the back of that Garden Basham um, statement, but, I mean, Rob, Scott Robertson's got a bit of a dilemma on his hands because you've got 12 and 13 who are All Blacks in Goodhue and Enor, two All Blacks starting wingers in George Bridge and mm-hmm. Reese, and then you've got a guy who was the best player in the park last week in Will Jordan, so, and David Havili was vice-captain of the Crusaders as well, so does Will Jordan then go back to the bench and then have to sort of bide his time for an opportunity to pop up? But for me, like even though he's come out himself and said that you know he's cool to wait because he likes being in the Crusaders culture, he's a Christchurch boy and he loves to win, at the same time, you only really get better as a player with, with minutes on the park. Although, again, like we saw on the weekend, despite his lack of game time, he can still sort of turn up and be the, the best player out there, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm a really big fan of him, and I was hoping that you know maybe a team like the Highlanders or the Hurricanes might be able to lure him away, but it doesn't look like it. But yeah, at the same time, there's just an embarrassment of riches in that in that Crusaders team, and I, I think he, I think that Will Jordan is All Black potential. But can you pick an All Black who's only on the bench for a
1: team? Yeah, I I, I honestly watching him on the weekend, I I almost sort of Ben Smith. Exactly, uh, to be honest. That, that is exactly uh, that is my exact comparison. Just uh a real safe pair of hands. Um, he looked so composed. I mean, for what... It, it was his first Super Rugby start, was it? Yeah. I think so. Um, and, then, and then to look and to play like that, he just seemed so relaxed. And, you know, for a person that, that age and of that experience, to be coming out with a performance like that against the Hurricanes was... Yeah, it was amazing to see as a New Zealand rugby supporter. Because, you know, there is such depth in these teams I'd like to see him get minutes on the weekend definitely yeah I'd like to see him start again
0: I was just going to say off the back of that that you know when you watch a guy and you know when he's going full tilt or you know he's at top speed you know some guys just glide and for me he's just one of those guys again it just looks so effortless to him and he just runs great lines he always seems to be in and around the ball when I mean, he did the try assist on the weekend, and one of the other cool things, or one of the things that I liked, was his actual, I guess, his counter attack. You know, a lot of guys will sort of sit under the high ball, catch it, and then go to make their move. When he was actually, even with all the gust that goes around in the Cake turn, he was actually attacking the ball and hitting it at full seam, so that by the time that he caught it, he was almost, you know, sort of built up his momentum. So, yeah, another little, I guess, Justin Marshall micro school that I picked up on there. (laughs) Not (laughs) sure that, um, uh, yeah, I'm probably trying to sound smarter than I actually am with that one, bro, but yeah, but back to the Chiefs though, I mentioned before that they had the ascendancy early on in that Blues game or even for probably two-thirds of that game before Barrett sort of really took a stranglehold of it. And again, like their opening round, they just failed to capitalize on scoring opportunities. I mean, we talked about the yellow cards and the failure to score against 14 men and while the weather is certainly an influence I think that there are other ways to build pressure you don't necessarily have to put the ball through the hands or show any sort of flare out wide you can sort of I guess rough and tumble and then sort of release the backs once you've sort of committed enough guys to close to the breakdown but Mm -hmm. yeah what were your thoughts on the Chiefs attack I know that you were at the game on the weekend having played a bit of footy down those ways so like even from up close did you sort of notice anything that the Chiefs weren't doing or hadn't improved on on the previous. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. A few, few beers deep watching that game, um, from the grassy bank. Um, so had to definitely had to watch the replay. (laughs) Um, but I think it was just the, just lacking a little bit of firepower. I just can't, you know, I just can't see them breaking through and, um, pulling out those magic moments. I mean, you, just the skill level, I think, is just not not up there. Whether that's an attitude thing or whether it's just a confidence thing, uh, I mean, coming off two losses, a lot of these guys have got a lot of pressure on them now to to pull out some big performances to try and get get a win. Yeah, probably a lot of pressure on them now. It's almost to high, um,
0: really. I think if you drop to 0-3, and three, you're almost having to rely on, I guess, the, the Blues and the Crusaders then dropping games to put yourself in, in title contention, but... Yeah, not a, not a, yeah. It's it's just a weird not, one for me. So no, sorry, you go on.
1: No, not not only the players that that are probably feeling this pressure, but you know, new new coach there as well. Um, not off to a good start on on this bunch of fellas. So we'll, they'll be up for it. They'll be wanting to to bite one back. I want. I reckon. Yeah, um, they'll,
0: they'll definitely be desperate. But it's it's a, again, it's a weird one though, right? Because they were one of the stronger teams before lockdown and. Again, I've mentioned it before. The Chiefs do have a sort of habit of starting off slow, like we saw in that Highlanders game when they conceded the three tries, and then last week when they just couldn't quite pile on the pressure or you know sort of you know sort of give them that cushion towards the end of the game. So, yeah, I don't know because like if you if you look at their backline, right, you've got Brad Weber, All Black, Aaron Cruden, All Black, Anton Brown, All Black, Quintu Paya, future All Black, Sean Stevenson, he's a Māori All Black got Sean Wainui, Maori All Black, and then you got Damian McKenzie, All Black. So it's not like they've... or it's not like they're short of talent in terms of doing the workout wide. And then you look in their loose forwards. I know they're without Sam Kane, but you've got mm. someone like Lachlan Beauchere. He's an All Black. I mean, my dad made the good point of their, their Type 5 is probably a little bit of experience. They, they fielded two rookie locks on the weekend. And, yep. I mean, that pretty much showed in their set piece. I mean, their set piece was really, really sloppy, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a minute. But... Yeah, you'd think that when the ball is sort of being put through the back hands that they have the ability to do something special, but it just hasn't been the case. And again, I'm going to mention it again, I know that the weather sucked last week and it was going to be a forward-orientated game, but I guess when you've got a back like that with so much experience that you think they'd find ways to get themselves into the game and sort yeah, of, I guess, stand their yeah. mark, but it just hasn't been the case. And again, it's weird because they looked really, really good before we all went into quarantine. But I guess when they came out of it, they got caught on the hop by the Hollanders away from home. And then last week, just that that last third cost them because they just couldn't convert their opportunities into points. And in the end, the Blues hung on and played their best footy in the most important moments, which is always towards the back end of the game. So, yeah, but talking set-piece. Now, we mentioned how bad that the Chiefs were and you mentioned how bad the Crusaders were. And now, historically, the Chiefs have actually been really good at line at time, because their hooker, um, Takeaho, actually scored quite a few tries for breakdown, uh, before the lockdown, sorry. And so that's been a strength of their game. And then you look at a a team like the Crusaders, you know, sort of when things aren't going right for them out wide, or they aren't in their groove, they typically, you know, they'll kick to the corner, and they'll set a line out, and they sort of set their platform from there. And I mean, they've got an all-black front row, so I don't know what's sort of happening at their end, but... I guess off the back of two scrappy performances, man, I think that this weekend, especially if it is raining in Christchurch, that the set-piece is going to be quite influential in this clash. And for you, having watched both games, do you think that the Crusaders will be, I guess, the stronger team in this area this weekend?
1: I do think think that... I do think that... I hope they have learnt their lesson and have done a lot of work during the week. But then I also... We'll be aware that the the chiefs would have picked up that the crusaders lineout was a bit faulty as well, so maybe they try and exploit it a little bit more, try and challenge it, try and be really aggressive in the lineouts, get up get the jumpers up there and try and get them interfering. I think there will be lots of challenges going up, and we'll really see on the day what how the uh, Crusaders perform, but yeah, I don't think the Chiefs will let them off with uh, free jumpers in the air.
0: Yeah, me either. It was, just, it was really surprising for me last week because on top of all the penalties that the Crusaders gave away, I guess their ineffectiveness at set-piece also let the Hurricanes off the hook. But you know when you've got an all-black hooker and you've got the most capped all-black lock of all time and Sam White lock in your line-out, you almost think that's money all day. But it wasn't the case. I guess it was, again, even though they did score quite a few tries and scored when they needed to, it was a, a really, really ugly outing the Crusaders and similar to you I, I do think that the, they'll need to get up and I think like a coach and I guess just a team like them because of how professional they are and how structured they are I think they'll they would have gone back to the drawing board this week and taken a lot of learnings both in terms of the refereeing at the breakdown and with sort of the stuff or I guess their own controllables rather than the uncontrollables of again refereeing so yeah, but- yeah
1: and every team has their has their day on those lineouts. I mean, sometimes you, you get one or two wrong, and the rest of them just fall down the fall down the drain as well. Uh, it's almost like you need a new day, a fresh start, and um, clean up those lineouts from the beginning. Definitely know that as a as a hooker. Sometimes it just it just doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got my fingers
1: crossed at third
0: times the charm for the Hurricanes because they weren't very flash against the Blues. Although the Blues do do a really good job at at disrupting with their lineout jumpers. And the Hurricanes weren't very strong last week either. So, yeah, but we'll leave the Hurricanes alone. I know they're on the bye, and yeah, I'll let them have their rest. And I'll, I think it's fair game if they they don't turn up next week. So, sorry, man. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, you know me. I mean, we're both Hurricanes fans, and you know, we're hurting after two <laughs> <laughs> two back to back losses. Considering that I thought they were actually building for lockdown, but as we've seen, you know, like history doesn't really matter for anything at this stage. No. So, it's yeah, all man, out the door. But, uh, right. Tipping, men, Crusaders Chiefs. Which way are we going?
1: I've got Crusaders thirteen plus. Mm. I'm not um, quite as confident I, as you, but you've got. Is, is, is Weber gonna be off um, this Saturday? I'm not too sure. That's the only uh, problem with, with the this concussion. But night, I mean, you've so. got you've got you've got Triple T, who who is relatively sound. But I mean, if if Kane's not back either, Kane and Weber out of the mix. Could put a lot of pressure on the Chiefs, and they've got a lot of pressure on them already. Yeah, I've got Crusaders 13 plus.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I'm. Gonna I think they'll. I the, think they'll right their wrongs from the from the weekend, and they would have worked hard.
0: Yeah, I'm probably going to go twelve and under, because I do think that the desperation uh, this weekend should give the the Chiefs a bit of a boost, even though they are away from home. And yeah, I just think we're going to see a closer affair as. As classy as the Presider looked at times in terms of with their strike plays, I think that the Chiefs are probably a better defensive outfit than the Hurricanes at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that, like anything, you you take a lot of learnings out of different experiences. And I guess with having two weeks of games up your belt or under your belt, sorry, that Warren Gatlin will have a bit more videos to work with. And I think even like there was a lot of talk around the referees that or around the referees, that there was a bit of inconsistency with some of the calls for those on hand the second weekend, and that the players actually thought they had a better understanding of which way the referees were going to go with the games after round one. But then when they went into round two, things were a little bit different. So that might even play a part in their fixture and the fixture on Saturday night. But it's a, like you said, you mentioned the fact that there's the potential for Weber to be out, and if Sam Kane isn't back, which is Probably more likely than not that if you then take out your two captains and Sam Kane and Brad Weber, you're already fielding two rookie locks and you know, yep. we've seen that experience counts for a lot, even though we might not sort of or hold it in the highest regard a lot of the time at the end of the it's, day, it's- you know, there, there is really nothing like experience and I know there was the case made last year with all the All Black selections and if you look at someone like a Ben Smith, but you know, that's a I guess that's a yarn and a um or a, a sad yarn for another day, but yeah, similar to yep. you, I, I think like I might even flip the script, uh, you know. Well, I can't really change it now, can I? I, I could see them. <laughs> they I could see the Chiefs losing thirteen plus if Brad Weber doesn't play because I do think he has a big influence on that team. But I think if he does play, I think that his again his influence will keep the scoreline to two tries. So, yep. Oh wait, well, man. Um, I mean, it's getting pretty late here, but I appreciate getting your takes off the back of last week and looking ahead to this week. And of course, I will hook up with you again on Sunday night to recap how all of the action unfolds. But from now until then, my man, I know that your season kicks off on Saturday, so best of luck uh, for your first proper game of footy. You know, or I guess the ones that count, even though like I know you play like they all count. So <laughs> yeah, my man. Until then, um, stay safe and. Fingers crossed we get two better games of rugby than we saw last weekend because yeah, I, I want a couple of spectacles to enjoy with my, my cold one after footy and on a lazy Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and I'm keen to see some surprises out there. So it's going to be a good week of footy. Uh, yeah, good luck to all the teams out there. You're the man, my bro. You have a great sleep. Catch you later. Peace, bro.